Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com on today's Tour Catch-Up. Fernandez wins a thriller in Monterey. Zverev gets a suspended ban. And Andy Murray teams up with Ivan Lendl for a third time. Kim, today is the 10th of March and we are here to catch up on the weekend tennis at Passing Shot HQ, specially backed by our crowd funders, Alexandra McClelland and Ewan Frost Pennington. We have had another incident packed week on the ATP and WTA tours. Indian Wells has just started. We had Leon and Monterey last week as well. So uh, we've got lots to sink our teeth into as normal, Kim. And I mean, it's a weird time, I feel, at the moment on the tour. We're still talking about Djokovic and, you know, being banned from from countries. Zverev as well in the news around fines. And all of this, it seems to pale in comparison to all the news going on at the moment in, uh, you know, in Russia and Ukraine, which feels you know very, very relevant for a global sport like tennis, where we've got, you know, lots of Russian and, and Ukrainian tennis players. Yeah, I don't think there's any part of life really that's not being impacted in some way by the conflict mm. and all of the news coming out of, of Ukraine and and all the sort of sanctions on, on Russians and everything that's going on. It's all very, very pertinent. And yeah, lots of Russian and Ukrainian players on, on the tour, although Russian players are now representing, uh, well, they're not representing the country. <laughs> yeah, they're just yeah. Uh, neutrals. Uh, same for the Belarusians, but we'll get on to that in a bit. But yeah, plenty of, of, of tennis featuring um, featuring Ukrainian players. We've had some interesting results uh, last week, which we'll get on to, and I'm sure there'll be a few to come. But um, I, we, we were going to, I mean, Indian Wells is, is underway already, uh, so we'll be kind of cracking on with a preview slash mini update of the first day of action. Uh, we we would have done it yesterday, Joel, but I believe you were out at a Christmas party. Is that right? Yeah. How was it? Yes, yes uh, it was my delayed work Christmas party last night. Listeners, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, I was enjoying myself probably a little bit too much. Um, yeah, although the wine was flowing. Yeah, you could probably hear it in my voice a little bit. But yeah, I had a, had a great time. I did have that, Kim, I'm not going to lie. I did have the, the Passing Shot podcast guilt of you know, should I, you know, whilst I was tucking into my nice meal, I was thinking about, oh, should I, should I be recording? Is, is Kim annoyed at me? I was, it was all going through my head, but you know, I just sort of got on with it and had a, had a bit of a boogie on the dance floor at midnight. <laughs> well, I, I trust yours all recovered and uh, well <laughs> enough to, to get on with our, our preview episode, Joel. I mean, just tonight, for example, I think we've got Sloane Stevens versus Naomi Osaka at like 11 p.m. British time. So there's absolutely no, um, you know, dilly dallying around. It's like straight in with the action and classic matches. And Kim, we've got the biggest 
we've got the biggest breaking news of of all as well. Tom Janovich and Berrettini have seemingly broken up. Is that true? I yeah, mean, it's, where's it's, the source? It's doing, it's doing the rounds on social media. Oh. Photos, photos are being deleted. Oh no! Um, as as is the way I feel with high profile celebrity yeah. relationships. Yeah, I know. There's there's just not. There's just not a lot of positive news in the tennis world, it feels, at the moment. That is a right shame. I thought they seemed quite well suited, so I, I wonder I wonder what the impetus for that breakup uh, is. Maybe there's another tennis player involved. I don't oh, know. Speculation, Joel. Yeah, That's not what we're here for on yeah, the we, de- we deal in fact here. We deal in fact. And we should probably start with the facts from last week. Monterey Open in Mexico. Leila Annie Fernandez winning the final against Camilla Osorio Serrano. Really, really great final, Kim. 6-7, 6-4, 7-6 to Fernandez. She defended her title, which is impressive in itself, given um, you know, she won her first title, has now defended it. Not many players do that first up. So yeah, really, really impressive from Fernandez. Definitely. It was a very up and down final as well. So <laughs> she did definitely did well to actually come through that one in the end. Up and down for the floodlights as well, not just the yeah. uh, not just the players. I think someone, you know, was maybe ho- hovering their finger over the on-off <laughs> switch and sort of uh, you thought, how can we make the very end of the match uh, <laughs> a bit exciting. more exciting? Yeah. Oh, let's just play havoc with the. Maybe, um, maybe they were right. getting maybe they were getting all of the uh, electricity prices in the UK and they just couldn't afford to to have them on the whole match. Yeah, I mean Camilla Osorio. <laughs> had five uh ma- five championship points so she mm. will be mightily kicking herself um but fernandez was obviously able to um to quell the challenge from asoria who you know has been going up the rankings herself has been sort of a somewhat of a rising star as has fernandez but fernandez is just a little bit ahead in the sort of journey um and really you know fernandez was leading in that first set i think she went 4-1 up straight away served for the first set osorio came back um took that first set on a tie break so you know i guess you could say that it was um you know perhaps fernandez's for the taking from from the word go but um all came down to that sort of very up and down last set fernandez taking a lead again osorio coming back leading 4-1 fernandez coming bringing it back uh to 5 all and then you know ending up with that last set tie break so uh, both players doing very well, I think, to kind of keep continually regrouping to get to that point. Uh, Fernandez, yeah, has won her last 10 matches at Monterey. So obviously really enjoys this particular tournament. Yeah, it was such a it was such a fun final because, yeah, both those players are you know very good prospects for you know the WTA Tour. You'd arguably say, given, you know, Fernandez run to the US Open final, um, which obviously we kind of entwine as British fans with with Emma Raducanu, has put her on the map. And, um, you know, this was just a great advert, I think, for the tour, given the, the level of tennis on show. I think what, what impressed me most, uh, from Serrano, first of all, was her movement and speed around the court. Um, there felt like, you know, there were times where I thought, you know, Fernandez had done enough to, to win the point, but Serrano is just so rapid on the court. Great court coverage was able to kind of, 
do that classic thing of get one extra ball back in play and really I felt like made Fernandez, you know, work for it. And you can see that she's you know, quite, I think, a, a gritty player in terms of, you know, you can never really kind of count her out. And in that first set when she was, I think, as you said, 4-1 and I think 5-2 down, yeah, she came back and, and stole it. And I think she'll be a bit disappointed she wasn't able to to carry on that that momentum. But, you know, Fernandez, we all know her positive attitude her mental toughness. I think we saw that all the way through um, you know, in the US Open finals. You know, she it felt like she was continually a set down uh, on her journey to that US Open final and she just found a way to she found a way to win. And and it was a similar situation here, finding herself a set down with a set that she probably would have felt that she, you know, should have and deserved to win. Um, but to come back and win the second set and then the third set, given all of those circumstances that happen with the the match points the floodlight failure the fact that it wasn't even replayed as a as a let which again uh would have been disappointing with the warm-up as well i mean it just shows i think how you put all these obstacles kim in the way of fernandez she just doesn't care she just she just got that magic touch i feel to just sort of take it in her stride put it to one side and then come out as the victor yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, this is a great week for her going into to Indian Wells and then the bigger mm. tournaments because since we saw her reach that US Open final, haven't really seen, you know, no. too much of her after that point. Um, so she's probably not had the most, um, you know, she's had quite disappointing results since then. Like she got to, I think, you know, mm. the well, I think she, she lost... Um, in the first round of the Australian Open, for example, when I'm sure she would have been hoping to do a lot, um, a lot more there. So perhaps, you know, getting finally into some form, you know, after that US Open run last year, probably quite difficult to to deal with all the pressure as well, you know, off the back of that. So it takes a bit of time to to bring yourself together and, and to regroup like she did in this final. So, um, I mean, what we did see at the start of, of the Monterey event was, you know, and I know in our last catch up, we were talking a lot about the upcoming match between Svitolina, obviously Ukrainian player, against um, Potapova, one of the Russians on the tour. And uh, we were saying, you know, that was going to be a very interesting match. But um, in the end, Svitolina, you know, kind of came out with a bit of an ultimatum, didn't she? Because she said that she would refuse to play any Russian or Belarusian player um, if they were still competing under their flags, under those countries. So I think just in time, both the WTA and the ATP did announce that players from those countries would have to compete as as neutral athletes. So in the end, um, you know, I think she was able to go ahead and, and play the match. But, um, you know, good on her for, for kind of coming out and making a stand. Mm. I think, you know, this is kind of obviously now in line with what a lot of sports have done. Um, you know, they have sanctioned the Russian and the Belarusian um, tennis players in terms of team events. They're not able to compete in the Davis Cup, the Billie Jean King Cup, but the individual players obviously still able to compete, but just as neutrals. You know, it was an interesting start to the, you know, to the tournament. And, you know, for Svitolina, she really felt that, you know, so much had gone on already and the the tennis world was just sort of just playing a, as a bystander to it. And she really felt that if she could announce this, which she did on, on, on social media and say, look, I'm not going to play, uh, you know, Potapova until something, you know, until action is is done. Then, you know, yeah, good for her because it it did happen. But I think she she felt like it wanted she wanted it to be more immediate. And again, we've we've spoken about organisations in the tennis world like the you know the ATP 
I feel like is the number one example of this where that lack of action, the lack of immediacy has really, you know, dented, I feel, people's confidence, um, you know, in tennis and, and the, you know, the governing bodies that kind of represent it. But, uh, you know, it's good, I think, to see Svitolina take it into her own hands. And, you know, just on a, on a player level as well, it really, I think, motivated her, it fueled her. You know, we've spoken about, you know, she's not had the best of starts to the season. And, you know, I was really kind of wondering how that match was going to go uh, once it had got played, because, it definitely felt like a banana skin. You know, this was a match where there were going to be increased, you know, increased awareness, more eyeballs on it. And I was just wondering, man, Svitolina set herself up for a fall here if, you know, she doesn't come out and, and win it. But the fact that she blasted Potapova off the court, 6-2, 6-1, I think just shows how motivated and, you know, understandably so and, and how passionate she is about, you know, her home home country and what she can do about it and i think that has translated into form uh, for some of the ukrainian players including svitina we'll come on to your strength screw in a second um but yeah it was great to see her i think rediscover a little bit of that form yes she did lose to um serrano in the in the quarterfinals but it was in a last set tie break and uh, yeah i think i think she played very very well in that match she was just unfortunate she, she couldn't get the result but uh yeah nice to see her returning to to a little bit of form yeah, that's Osorio Serrano. It's it's still um I think we're sort of some some publications are just referring to her as Osorio and then others are Osorio Serrano. So officially she is Osorio Serrano, but anyway, <laughs> let's talk about yes, um Yastremska, who obviously you mentioned getting a bit of fire in her belly, obviously in light of everything that's going on. Um had a really good week tennis wise in Lyon, getting to the final as a wild card, um, but just falling short against Zhang Shui of China, uh three six, six three, six four. Um I mean, in terms of the context of this, you know, just kind of a week before Yastremska was kind of forced to shelter um in like an underground garage in in Ukraine with her family. She was able to get out with her sister, um, who I think is also a tennis player, which I didn't realise before now. Um, she got a wild card into Leon. And then, I mean, what a way to kind of, I don't know, not justify your wild card, but what a way to back up the, you know, with everything that's going on to, to go all the way to the final. And her first final in, in over two years as well. So it's been quite a while since she's been at the latter stages of, of any tournament. And um, just not able to kind of get the job done in the end. Um, Zhang has won her first title in over four years and I think her third title overall. So again, another player who's sort of not been out in the wilderness, but, you know, it's been a long time um, since she's been, you know, lifting a trophy. Yeah, I mean, that that run to the final for Yastrzemska must have taken, must have taken its toll both physically and emotionally. I mean, her first match against Bogdan she won 36766 both of those tie breaks finished 97 she 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 spoke about it as one of the toughest matches um so far in her career um so even just to come through that was was very very impressive given the speed of things changing for her going from you know one place over the border fleeing your home country um all these mix of emotions it was just amazing i think just to see her take the take to the tennis court in, in Lyon to be quite honest with you so for her to get all the way through to the final was very very impressive and I know you know I was watching some of the again I was watching some of the highlights I think the only sort of disappointing thing kind of watching it was I do generally feel like 
ninety nine percent of the the people in in watching watching that final, they were wanting the the fairy tale story to have a happy ending in terms of you know Yastremska lifting the title victorious over Zhang. That wasn't to be, and I I felt that the fans you know they didn't give as much respect maybe as they could and perhaps should have to Zhang because it felt very pro. Yastremska. I don't know if they were just annoyed that, that Zhang had beaten uh, Garcia uh, in the semis, and I think she also beat Mladenovich as well on route. She'd be a few of the, the sort of hometown favourites, but um, yeah, I think I was a little bit kind of disappointed with that. But at the same time, again, it was another very high quality final, and Zhang. I think you know she's thirty three years old. I feel like she's playing some of the best tennis in her her career at the moment. You know, she's a I think a two time quarter finalists um at, at grand slam level in singles kim arguably maybe some people know her more as sam Stoza's doubles partner um on the doubles circuit but she's a very handy tennis player and um you know as i said i think she's playing some of the the best tennis in her career at the moment and i definitely think she's one of those late bloomers that we've that we've seen i think happen a bit more um, in tennis recently many perhaps thanks to people like uh aslan kratsev on the on the male side but um yeah she's certainly uh some playing some very good tennis at the moment yeah she's um i think in the top 10 in, in doubles at the moment so we mostly know her uh for her doubles achievements mm. but yeah really really good stuff for her this week and you know she was i think a breakdown twice in that last set but a- able to come back and then break um, to go 5-4 and, and then hold from there. So, yeah, ruining the fairy tale. Um, but, you know, I guess anyone that probably Yastremska was playing, I'm sure the crowd, unless it had been a, a French player, I'm sure at home, would have been rooting for for Yastremska for, for obvious reasons. And really good for Caroline Garcia to get into the semis. Uh, <laughs> you know, it I hasn't been, I don't think she's been in the semifinals for ages. In a long time. And she beat Camilla Georgie, who was the top seed in, in the first round. And um, yeah, just nice to see her, you know, especially at her home event to to get to go to go deep and also Joel in the doubles at this event we had British finalists um Barnett and Nichols who were both making their tour debuts um they got through to the final and lost in straight sets to Siegmund and Zvonareva but um yeah really good for um Olivia Nichols and Alicia Barnett two Brits who you know you don't normally see on the tour so I'm sure they enjoyed their their week in Leon very much Kim, just on Caroline Garcia, you were absolutely loving it through the week. You were messaging me. You were talking about Caroline Garcia finding some form again. I mean, she's already at it again in, in Indian Wells. She beat, uh, she did beat Yastremska in, in the mm. first round. I think she's got Radikanu up next. So, uh, yeah, maybe, who knows? Where, where is this leading? But yeah, Garcia, yeah, it's always nice to see, you know, when your favorite players, I think, rediscover you know what you kind of fell in love with and uh yeah nice to see i think garcia do that in front of her her home fans so um yeah good tournament from her we also did have kim atp uh tennis well i should say i say atp tennis I had it's ITF. not it's ITF. itf tennis <laughs> get yes. your acronyms right Joel. <laughs> <laughs> sorry my i need to get my tennis governing bodies yeah acronyms right um but yeah we had davis cup qualifying it's 2022 davis cup qualifying round um, we had eight countries book themselves into the finals, which is scheduled to take place in September. I mean, of the, the pick of the results for me, I mean, Brazil, Germany was quite interesting. Germany winning 3-1 away in Rio. Zverev was there. 
there were some unflattering chants that Zverev was not particularly happy about happening from the, the Brazilian locals chanting the name of, well, the, the domestic violence case that is sort of clouding Zverev wherever he goes. Yeah, the, the fans were not kind of happy about that kind of chanting Olya Sharipova's name. Before we go to the other results, Kim, where do you stand on that? Do you think they, do you think they crossed the line? Do you think that's fair game? Do you think just kind of this wouldn't have happened if the ATP had kind of acted appropriately and measuredly, but but because they haven't, it's, sort of, it's just sort of given free reign to, to other people to find their voices. Yeah, I mean, you can't like silence a crowd from saying someone's name, can you? I can imagine, you know, boisterous sort of Davis Cup, mm. raucousness, Brazilian crowd, you know, they're, they're probably, yeah, maybe, you know, you, you should cheer your own team and countrymen on rather than trying to uh, antagonize antagonize or anti-cheer you know for the opposition but at the same time you can't prevent a crowd from bringing Mm. this up you know it's out Mm -hmm. in the public domain Zverev has not done himself any favors with his behavior in Acapulco and you know this is obviously a fairly knowledgeable tennis crowd because they know that the ATP basically gave Zverev a, a one-year probation like so he hasn't faced any other punishment other than those fines um from you know the tournament fees and obviously not getting the ranking points um so, so essentially he's you know not having a ban or anything like that they've just said right if you do anything in the next year then we'll punish you but you kind of you got off um so I guess that has spurred the crowd on to to kind of use this as as fuel to try and cheer their their side on, which you know ultimately didn't work because Brazil lost. But um, Zverev did come out and say that he thought the crowd had crossed the line. But you could say that Zverev is the one crossing the lines normally. Mm. So, um, I mean, he's crossed the yeah. line more than it feels like he's crossed the line. You know, some would say crossed the line more than once. Um, you know, recently, and you know, it was interesting. You know, in the you know, in the build up to Indian Wells, a tournament where a lot of people will look at this and see his name in the drawer and think he, you know, he should not be there given, you know, what happened in, in Acapulco and whether that is a good look for tennis, given that it was a, a suspended ban. A lot of people saying, you know, it was too soft. The ATP should have been sterner. Um, you know, we, we had this debate in the, in the last pod and you felt like it should have been a warning where I was a bit more kind of like, yeah, he shouldn't. He shouldn't be playing, and feel like they've they've sided with you a, a little bit more. But yeah, I think it's. I still think it's it's disappointing. And again, how it looks for tennis with with Zverev there, and you know, seemingly getting off scot free. We know these fines don't really matter for someone like Zverev, who you know has got plenty of of money in the bank. Um, yeah, it, it's it just seems a bit of a, a sour taste in the mouth, and. Um, you know, he'll obviously put it to one side and get on with his, you know, get on with his day job. But, you know, with these things that are happening, combined with, I think, the the lack of action, I think, from the ATP, it's like, I feel like fans are just like, well, if they're not going to do anything, I'm going to do something. And we're seeing that manifest, I feel, you know, in crowd audiences. And it's it doesn't surprise me, like in, in South America, we know that they are boisterous, passionate passionate fans out there and yeah it, it doesn't you know overly shock me that that happened but I don't think we would be in this situation if the ATP for example just took us a, a sterner stance on things yeah I mean maybe the ATP will 
be aware of, I guess, all this action from the Davis Cup over the weekend and maybe they'll think, oh, okay, maybe next time we should be a bit sterner, um, you know, a bit more of the stick rather than the carrot. Uh, it's... Yeah, it's... I mean, I mean, he Zverev did say that today. You know, that was the worst moment of, like, what's the effect of that was the worst moment, you know, of his life. So I think there is at least some sort of acceptance and and recognition that it was not, you know, it was obviously not a good thing to do in terms of banging your racket against the, you know, the chair umpire. I mean, I rewatched it again this morning, and and the chair the chair umpire flinches mm. and. Again, what does the what does that tell ATP who are you know responsible for you know not just tennis players but the you know officials and you know their their obviously their safety and well being what what does that say when you know there's again not really been any action taken of of you know protecting you know not just tennis players yeah but protecting all the other people involved in in putting on the sport. Yeah, it wouldn't. If I was a if I was an umpire, it wouldn't wouldn't give me a lot of confidence. If I'm being quite honest, I certainly wouldn't want to be umpiring any of Zverev's matches. No. Uh, or you know, I'd ask my chair to be. Do you think that's fair? Do you think, feet do you think an umpire? Do you think an umpire can can go to you know the tournament or or whoever it is and say, look, I don't want to, I don't want umpire Zverev's matches. I saw what he did in in Acapulco. Do you think that's a fair comment, or do you think umpires should just be able to? should be able to just get on with it i think i think they can request i think players can request not to have certain mm. umpires i don't see why it couldn't be you know vice versa um certainly as a maybe as a, as a female umpire if i was in that position you might feel even even more threatened i you know given everything that's gone on so i mean it would be interesting if if it comes to light that some umpires might have have, have requested to avoid his matches i i don't know but i'm sure well, am I sure? I don't know, but you'd think that Zverev, if you know, coming out saying that was the lowest moment of of his career on a he court. needs a peace offering, Kim. He yeah. needs to go to the he needs to go to the umpire next umpire meeting with uh, with some chocolates and some flowers. <laughs> well, maybe to the original umpire, yeah. But um, I don't know. You'd think that lightning wouldn't strike twice so soon, no. but oh, I mean, anything's possible. I think right now. Um, I mean, let's look at some of the other results from the Davis Cup. We had Spain beating Romania 3-1 down in Marbella, um, where we had, I think, Carlos Alcaraz was in uh, form and uh, RBA as well. So very good for Spain. Um, Belgium came past Finland, uh, the US, Netherlands and uh, Argentina all had four love victories over Canada, oh no, Colombia, Canada and Czech Republic respectively. Uh, who else did we have? Sweden beat Japan, Australia came through against Hungary, Italy through. Kim, the almighty Kazakhstan beat Norway away from home. Uh, yeah. Kasparud, Kasparud led Norway, mm. uh, which which took me by surprise. But yeah, Kazakhstan uh, with Bublik. I think Bublik played both the singles matches, got two points for them. Yeah, that's a, that was a very, very good win. So um, yeah, plenty of plenty of of davis cup action in the qualifying remains to be seen how i feel like how this event is going to turn out because it it feels like it evolves every year but at least we we're getting to a point where we actually know who's going to be there come the finals in september and obviously great britain we received a wild card didn't we so we're we're already 
already through and that was obviously to, to some consternation um <laughs> but we will be back very shortly in the second half uh to look at all of the news some coaching changes new sponsor for the wta tour and previewing the indian wells draws so do not go anywhere Welcome back to The Passing Shots with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to par for the courts uh, before we get on to <laughs> all of the news and gossip and previews. Um, one of our listeners actually did say that I should do the quiz for you today, Joel, seeing as you're slightly hungover after your Christmas do. But I think you've actually got one for me. So... Yeah, I have. And I'm going to make it as painful for you as... No, I'm joking. Um, so you, yeah. can lower, you can lower the par score for me, maybe. <laughs> and then I can, you know, just ace it. Um, yeah, no, I do have another par for the courts for you and our listeners. And again, it is, it is related to number one rankings. Um, it will involve... Uh, it's quite difficult. So I'm going to give you some clues along the way as well. But what I, my topic for you and for our listeners this week is... It's been over 18 years since someone not named Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, Rafa Nadal or Andy Murray were ranked number one. We spoke about this last week, which is just you know crazy, crazy, crazy stat. Um, but what I want to know, Kim, is who was in the top 10 the last time that happened? So there are 10 players... Um, February 1st, 2004 in the ATP rankings. And I want you to guess how, how many of those you know uh, from back in 2004. To help you, I am going to give you their nationalities. So you've got an American, you've got a Swiss, you've got a, a Spaniard, you've got another American, you've got an Argentinian, you've got a German, you've got another Spaniard. You've got another Argentinian, you've got an Aussie, and you've got a Frenchman. Okay, uh, I'm just sort of typing these down, as, as you say. Um, so, okay, so this is before Roger, Rafa. Yeah, um, so 2004, okay. February 1st. Right. And I know this is quite difficult, so I've given you the countries, so I'll say them again. USA, Switzerland, Spain, USA. Argentina, Germany, Spain, Argentina, Australia, France. And I'm going to set the par score at at 5 out of 10. I'm going to give 50%. Okay, this is probably the toughest par for the court mm. yet because I wasn't even following tennis in 2004, <laughs> don't think. Apart from, well, apart from Wimbledon, Tim Henman as you do um as one did back in the day um okay right let's do this so switzerland has got to be roger federer because it were he wouldn't have been number one he must have been in the top 10 at this time correct okay. yes roger federer he was ranked number two yeah um so the australian must have been leighton hewitt i would imagine leighton hewitt yeah incorrect oh no Kim. oh no it would have been it's not it's not Leighton what? Hewitt where was Leighton Hewitt then didn't he win Wimbledon like Leighton Hewitt I don't know where Leighton Hewitt was but he wasn't before. in the top 10 um 
No. Oh. So. Okay. If you well, had said Mark oh, Philippoussis, yeah, it would have been correct, Kim. Okay, so I'm obviously not getting past school, but I'll, I'll carry on and see where we get okay. to. Right, come on, listeners, we can do this. Um, <laughs> Carlos Moya for Spain. Yes, you could have. You could have given me Carlos Moya. Yeah. Um, Juan Carlos Ferrero. You could have given me Juan Carlos oh, Ferrero, Kim. See, I know yes, my you... Spaniards. <laughs> Um, Argentina must be Nalbandian. Yes, you could have given me David Nalbandian. Oh, Kim, Leighton Hewitt really <laughs> has done you in, hasn't he? <laughs> Honestly. Um, the other Argentinian, I'm thinking it must be... Um, oh, uh, are they both Argentinian? Gaston Gaudio and Correa. You know, oh, no, Puerta. I'm thinking of Puerta. Although there was Correa. Oh, uh, Gaston Gaudio? Or was he no, less? No, no, okay. no, Gas, no, Gaston uh, Gaudio. Uh, Correa is correct, oh, though. Okay, it was Correa. Um, so he was, yeah, ranked number five. Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras would be the Americans. Andre Agassi is correct. He was four. The other American actually was not Pete Sampras. Oh, the other Roddick. American Roddick. was Andy Roddick. Yeah. Yes, he was the yeah. last, uh, well, obviously Medvedev now, but yeah, back then he was the number one ranked player, Andy Roddick. Mm. Oh gosh, of course. <laughs> Sorry, Roddick. Um, and then so we've two got a le- French... Two left, a Frenchman French and, a German. and a German. Oh, uh... oh, Tommy Haas for Germany, surely. I hope. Not a bad shout, but incorrect. Oh. Nicholas Kiefer? No. Nope. I'll be very impressed if you get the German and any of our listeners uh, actually get the, the German player. Um and uh, and the the Frenchman as well is uh yeah. The Frenchman is is too early for Songa. Oh, maybe it's like Arno Clement. Oh, that is very much in the or, right, um, right era. Sebastian Lodra. Did he ever get to the top ten? <laughs> Do you remember him? <laughs> Not Sebastian Lodra, but it is a Sebastian. Oh, Sebastian. Oh, nope. I, I, I'm going to have to give up. Okay. <laughs> Sebastian Grosjean. Oh, Grosjean. Was in number 10 position. And the final one, the German, and listeners, a little applause if you're able to get this, Rainer Schuttler. <laughs> oh, I do remember seeing him at Wimbledon like a few years after that. But he I was ranked number that. six uh, in the wow. world, um, which I yeah completely forgot about uh, until right now. But yeah, he was a pretty handy player. I always remember Sebastian Grosjean. I swear he played Tim Henman like a thousand times at Wimbledon. Um, uh, but great, yeah, great double-handed backhand. But yeah, those were your 10. Roddick, Federer, Ferrero, Agassi, Correa, Schuttler, Moya. Now, Bandian, Philippusis, and Grosjean. Fantastic! No, that's that's very interesting, Joel. Thank you for that part of the course. <laughs> that's definitely the hardest one, and I will be ruining Leighton Hewitt's yes. uh, inability to stay in the top ten come February two thousand and four. <laughs> I um, wonder if he got back into the top ten after that. I'm sure he would have done, but <clears throat> we shall see. Uh, we do have a passing shot mailbag as well this week. We had quite a few um, questions come in, so thank you everyone who did send them in. But um, Emma has been chosen this week. Um, She got in touch via email. Hello, Joel and Kim. Following on from Yelena Ostapenko, uh, rediscovering her French Open Grand Slam winning form from 2017 this season. Uh, Which single slam women's champion would you next like to see magically find their form again and have a resurgence back up the rankings? 
So uh, obviously Ostapenko won a tournament recently. Um, getting to that form of of mm. her, you know, back in the triumph, back in the top ten, doing really well again. Um, who are you kind of going for, Joel, with this one? Because there's a yeah. couple of individuals, just single slam champions, still on the tour that aren't quite, you know, up there right right at this moment. Yeah, I mean. Emma Raducanu obviously is the the answer on everyone's lips, right? Uh, no, um, it's way yeah. too recent, Joel. <laughs> way too recent. Um, yeah, no, I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Sir, Sophia Kennan, mainly because her form at the moment is shocking. Uh, she lost in the first round, um, I think today uh, to Haddad Meyer. She hit like seventy odd unforced errors. I feel like she's in a bad place at the moment with her with her form um i don't i don't know what's going on with it in her camp um but it's it's not good and it's comp- it's complete worlds away from you know where she was at when she did win her when she did win her you know a maiden grand slam title and um you know given how far i think she's fallen from the tree um you know for me i would i want to see like a miracle worker come into the <laughs> come into Kennan's team and uh, you know get her back up and be that fiery no nonsense player that I think we just you know we see now more I think in in Danielle Collins at the, the top of the rankings but I still think there's room for for Kennan and I, I don't like to see how you know the the decline has been so quick and so rapid that yeah I'm just been a bit kind of shocked shocked by it and you know, I don't. I don't think it's obviously going to be easy. I think she can do it, and I think she will take confidence from, you know, players like Ostapenko, who who have done it. Stevens also has has found some form. So yeah, for me, Kennan is the you know is 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 my is my pick who I'd I'd like to see kind of yeah have a bit of a resurgence. But if I'm being quite honest, I can't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, I would agree with you um, on on all fronts. You know, I'd love to see her back up there. I, I always you know, when she was winning that Australian Open and getting to the French mm. Open final, you know, I really admired her kind of tenacity on the court and her, her her quiet tenacity as well. I thought she's always quite underestimated. Um, But it, I suppose it really does remind you, it is very reflective of just life in general, isn't it? The highs and lows of a tennis player's career, you know, those really yeah. awful moments and then the highs, you know, being right at the top of the game. It's, um, you know, what we all go through in life. Um, so sport or otherwise, it's sort of the same, isn't it, in, in many cases? I mean, I would say, like, obviously, Sloane Stevens is another player that I would really love to see win another slam. Um, but also, I've been surprised, Joel, that you didn't st- say <laughs> Sam Stozer, one of oh, your cool. favourites. I know she's retired from singles, but, you know, she's only a, a one slam. Yeah. One yeah. slam, Sam. Well, in the singles Slam anyway. Slam Stoza. Slam <laughs> Um Yeah, I mean, for me, I would probably have to go with Sloane Stevens. But um, great question, Emma. Got me thinking. Got us both thinking. Um, and obviously, on the women's side, there are more single, mm. you know, single singles champions. Caroline Wozniak, if she hadn't retired, I'd probably yep. put yep. her down as well. So I think she's doing commentary, actually. Um, yes, she is. For the tennis yep. channel yep. Uh, out in Indian Wells this week. So... Good to hear from her. Um, but that does bring us now on to our news and updates section, which is mostly coaching news this week, because both Novak Djokovic and Andy Murray have coaching updates that have come out uh, in recent days. Uh, Andy Murray is back with Ivan Lendl for the third time, Joel. As a big Murray fan, how do you feel about this particular uh, announcement? 
yeah it's been um you know murray's had i feel like a few different sort of uh he's experimented i think with coaches recently he's not quite cracked it yet so he's going back to someone he knows and is familiar with um that can kind of come into his team obviously they've had great success before um you know they've had you know the first time round back in in 2011 uh to 2014 he won the u.s open uh won his first wimbledon as well as well as olympic gold and then in that second spell as well um he won sec his second wimbledon and reached world number one so it's been really kind of fruitful periods when they have been together um so from that front um you know it's it's i think reassuring and gives me confidence that you know they work well together we're not talking about you know them getting back to get murray to a place where he can i think have a crack at another uh, you know grand sam title but certainly i think lendl can help him you know rise up the rankings and i think you know it's it's i think he gets the most out of him and i think he can channel you know the the, the irritatedness i feel that Andy Murray has maybe creeped into his game a little bit, you know, since coming back, um, you know, from, from his injury, um, maybe he can channel it a bit more into kind of more positive vibes on the court. I feel like he's been getting a bit too, yeah, it disappointed and, and let down. And, you know, I wonder if Lendl can, yeah, put him on the, on the straight and narrow, but I certainly think it's a promising, it's a promising situation. I don't know how long it's going to go on for, but, um, you know, I think Murray is is going back to something he knows that is familiar to him, and it can just start right away. You know, there's no it doesn't feel like there's going to be a big bedding in process. You know, quite frankly, Murray doesn't have the time given the you know his age and and his ranking. You know, he will want to get up back up there so he can get back into you know direct entry onto into tennis tournaments. So he's not relying on wild cards. And I think you know with Lendl in his corner that certainly feels feasible and i think that's probably going to be the first step um on his on his agenda yeah i think it, it's obviously no one's expecting Lendl to suddenly make andy mm. win grand slams but again, that would but... be great if that happened <laughs> well that would be a very fairy tale um uh, you know bonus wouldn't it to the partnership but i th- always felt that andy was much calmer under Lendl, and i think yeah that's kind of the the mental side of things i think hopefully he'll benefit and with this kind of ongoing frustration at, you know, just not able to like make too many inroads. I think, yeah, I think this is a really positive announcement. And as you said, they know each other very well, must get on well. And I think, um, I think he does also, he did say he's going to get someone else in the team um, to join them. So obviously Delgado has been involved for a while, but has stepped down. So um, yeah, really good, good news. I think it'd be interesting to see how, how quickly it might make a difference. Um, and then on the other side of things, Novak Djokovic has announced that him and Marion Vida have have split. Uh, you know, obviously Marion Vida is very, very much a long-time coach of Novak. Um, this wasn't actually because of, you know, the, the sort of all of the events in Australia or, you know, Novak not getting the vaccine. Apparently this decision was made, I think, last summer. Um, and then it's because Marion Vida wants to essentially just spend more time with his family and not traveling so much, you know, which is a common, common reason that coaches often step down. So I think it's just kind of come out at a time when obviously people are associating Novak with, I don't know, scandal and all the kind of anti-vaccine and everything. So you kind of think, oh, was this because of 
what happened in Australia, but it's yeah. not. I mean, that's what they say anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, I'm sure there will be people out there who read this news being like, oh, the downfall of, of Djokovic yeah. is, is continuing. Um, but yeah, it sounds like, you know, it was planned. I mean, it was interesting to hear Voida did have comments around the, the tour last season for, for Djokovic in his calendar. And there was tension there around, like, they didn't see eye to eye in terms of the Olympics. You know, you know, Vida came out and basically said, look, I don't want you, I don't want Novak. I don't want you to go to Olympics. I want you to just go to New York and, and focus there. Um, and obviously Novak did the opposite. And I think Vida felt that, yeah, he wasn't hundred percent prepared. He was a little bit tired going into New York with the, the career slam on the line, which I think, you know, may have caused a bit of, a bit of friction. Um, you know, quoting him, he spoke about, I was not in favour of going to Tokyo. I understood his goal. He wanted to win gold for Serbia, but he failed and the consequences were felt in New York. So I don't know if that tension sort of played into it a little bit, but, you know, it might, it might serve Djokovic, you know, well going forward, you know, having a, you know, having to reappraise, you know, his, his situation. You know, I don't think like no matter how many grand slams you win, I feel like you're always, you're always learning. I think that's what great champions do. And I think, you know, with this, um, you know, with this kind of split, who's to say that it couldn't help Djokovic, you know, reassess his goals and understand, you know, what he needs to do to, you know, to get back to, you know, the imperious Djokovic that we've seen, you know, we've seen under, under Vida. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see whether he goes and gets another coach. Does he get a super coach? Well, or he's already he got just... a super coach, well, Goran Ivanovic. Yeah. So you know he's still got Ivanovic in his. Is it going to be the Goran and Novak show going going forward as as one? Um, it it might feel like that, you know, with the this transition, perhaps. Um, but yeah, it's been. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, it's it's a, you know, it will be, um, you know, they they did, they achieved a lot together. So you know, for that not to be there anymore. I guess a little bit like how, you know, Rafa and, and Uncle Tony sort of parted ways for Uncle Tony to go to to FAA is sort of maybe the same. And um, yes, Vida doesn't sound like he is going to be coaching any other tennis players anytime soon. It's more of a, a family motivated decision. Something, again, we've seen with other coaches like, you know, Darren Cahill and, and, and Simona Halep um, last season. But um, yeah, still, I think, very sad for, for Novak Djokovic and, and I guess all, all his fans as well. Yeah, very core part of the team. It would be weird not seeing him in Novak's box uh, for the you know foreseeable future. So we'll have to see how how it un- unravels. Well, when we next see Novak back on a on a tennis court, because um, well, he <laughs> he's still only got one tournament to his name this year in, yeah. in Dubai, Dubai quarter finalist Novak Djokovic twenty twenty two season. Which just you know we'll we'll get on to Indian Wells in a bit, but. Novak was still appearing in the Indian Wells draw and I think it was only today that he's been taken out and Grigor Dimitrov is now, you know, in his spot in the draw, Um, which just means that, you know, I I, I just thought, yeah, it was definitely off that Novak was going to go, yet he forgot to withdraw. So I imagine he was still exploring last minute possibilities to, to travel again. And I thought, oh, can't go through all this hoo-ha again, this sort of Australian Open scenario. Um, I, I don't know, but he, he's out. He's not there. So that is a situation. Before we get on to Indian Wells, though, um, WTA has had a bit of a 
a change uh i was you know saw it on the website earlier um the the new sponsor that they have uh which is a women's well it's a women's health focused medical technology innovator called hologic am i saying that right yeah hologic hologic yeah i don't know (laughs) hologic i think maybe it stands for holistic logic something like that oh maybe i'm gonna yeah i i'm not gonna lie i did have to google who they were um and yeah maybe you were i'm saying saying it wrong but yeah it is i think it regardless i mean regardless of who the sponsor is it is a big deal because they have not had a title sponsor for 12 years which uh is sounds crazy really i think for something you know of the prestige of of the of the wta um you know for them to go without a title sponsor for 12 years uh you know obviously it feels like that the tour has been doing fine without that but the fact that they've got a company on board that is going to be putting from what it sounds like big financial commitments into the wta tour in the future it sounds really really um you know it sounds really really promising and you know the way i was kind of reading it was you know that their CEO spoke, you know, last year about or last season about you know not being so dependent on tournaments in Asia, tournaments in China, you know, all the the Peng Shui fallout, etc. And you know, having a an American company like this uh, will, I think, give them some sort of certainty and confidence. Actually, they can they can go through with this, you know, this. Uh, you know this this stance um and do it kind of full-bloodedly given that they now have the backing of a company that's going to commit you know a lot a lot of money to um helping the the wta tour thrive into the future yeah um they sound quite forward thinking as well like mm. very innovative i think it's a really good uh, fit actually for the wta tour um you know with sort of emphasis on obviously women's health and women's vitality and everything and i think from looking just i'm just on the hologic website now and it does sound like a good fit and i think um yeah i think uh, hopefully um i think this is their first big worldwide sponsorship mm. so hopefully i mean where would well. you where would you like to see the money be used kim do you think where do you think it could be best best used if you were if you had the uh the coffers of the uh of hologic and you wanted to place it on the on the wta tour where do you think it would be best used um, well, I suppose as their emphasis is health, um, you know, I would probably want to invest it more in in the mental well-being of, of the players on the tour and, and physical well-being, you know, support them in that way. But also, you know, on the lower echelons of of the tour as well, you know, I think, you know, when you're not at the top of the game, you often don't get as much support or help and it can be quite a, quite a struggle. So I think making it a more fair distribution of of everything really not just you know prize money but all the support that they get and everything so I think um and perhaps just using maybe the partnership as a way of I guess obviously they're hoping that it gets their message out as well as you know that of the WTAs and their kind of commercial opportunities but I think um yeah I think it's really important obviously you know health is a health is a is an issue that I'm very much interested in so I think this is you know certainly a an avenue for promoting positive you know checks and changes for for women mm. all, all around the world who follow tennis or who don't that might yeah. get involved yeah it's 
it's an interesting one because yeah for me my immediate thought was was prize money because we've we've seen issues i feel with particularly with the the combined tournaments or events that have a, a wta version an atp version we've seen big disparities uh between prize money distribution for men and prize dis- money distribution for women and although there is that equality in place on the on the grand slams it doesn't it feels like it is still lacking on the tours and again i wonder whether more more of a pressing issue more of an immediate issue might be yeah to potentially use some of this money to bring those disparities bring those gaps um a lot kind of closer together and actually make sure that there is equality you know financial equality not just at the slams but also on the tours as well because these are you know these events are the lifeblood of the the tour throughout the year yes you've got the the marquee events but certainly i think that is an opportunity i think that they can really kind of help with and um yeah it'll be uh it'll be fascinating to see how you know this i guess manifests itself it's not going to be obviously an, an, an overnight job um and it will take you know it will take its time um but yeah it's great to see i think the wta in good health with a sponsor the fact that they've got so many great players and you know we always talk about the strength and depth of the tour as well seems very well set so it sounds like you know with the backing of of some of a of someone like this it could really take you know the w you know there's it feels like there's no limits at the moment in terms of how you know how uh how how much the wta tour potentially could could thrive in into the future yeah and we'll talk about thriving now because indian wells is obviously upon us and let's start with the wta side of of things joel because we do have a very loaded draw uh one player that isn't there though who won't be thriving at uh indian wells is ash barty she um she's pulled out she said that she's not uh ready uh or at a level necessary to win uh both Indian Wells and Miami. She's pulled out of both. Her body has not recovered the way she'd hoped um, after the Australian Open. So she's withdrawn from both events um, to focus on getting her body right. I'm just paraphrasing her statement there. Uh, What do you make of this? It sounds like obviously she's got some issues still going, but it does seem to be that she's she's really picking and choosing where she's playing um, at the moment. Doing a bit of Serena Williams back in the day. Yeah. Wouldn't turn up that much. (laughs) Yeah, it's um I think this is the one watch out I think you know obviously we've just spoken about how you know the w- WTA tour is really well set in terms of you know all the talent that it has but I I do think there is a concern particularly amongst the top players in terms of whether it feels like a almost like a part-time tour for the the the, the really kind of top uh, you know personalities on the tour and I think an example of this is this Ash Barty statement to be quite honest because yeah, you know, I, lo- I love Ash Barty. She's she's great for tennis. Uh, she's a really really good tennis player. I love watching her at Grand Slams and her no nonsense attitude. But I mean, Kim, she how many hours did she play uh, on, at the Australian Open? Because it it was not a lot. Um, and you know, to, her, to it was a surprise to me given uh, how little she was tested. Um, you know, in Melbourne, to come out and say, you know, my body's not my body's not recovered it's it took me by surprise given yeah as i said she wasn't she didn't really have a stern it didn't feel like she had a really stern examination across the the two weeks in melbourne so you know for me it felt a bit like yeah she has picked and choose and i think you know she's keen to play i think dave uh, sorry davis cup billy jean king cup um 
you know, in in a, in a few weeks' time, and she doesn't, she's just not fancy taking the flight over to do the to do the Sunshine Double, and I think she's probably happy to, you know, number one ranking. Yeah, I've got it, but it doesn't sound like she's that really is a pri- priority for her at the moment. Because if it was, I think you know she would be in uh, the United States. But yeah, I think it's a bit disappointing when you've got top players like Barty. Novak Djokovic as well, obviously for different reasons, not playing tennis because I just feel like we don't we don't show the best of our sport if they're not playing. And I think excuse excuses, I mean responses like this, I just don't think do do it any good. I mean, yes, she absolutely could be you know telling the truth, and yeah, there might be niggles with a body she doesn't want to let on to. But um, you know, the way I, as a, a fan seeing it and seeing what happened at the Australian Open and how dominant she was yeah it took me took me by surprise a little bit yeah it's a shame for all the fans you know out in the US who mm. you know, want to see the world number one yeah. recent slam champion you know she was so imperious at that tournament and like you said didn't really break much of a sweat so I, I you can't really ever comment what might be going on you know personal life etc um I think we know that she's got a very relaxed and holistic approach to the sport like it's not her be all and end all so too relaxed maybe but then maybe that's what makes her so potent when she does play because she she's really fully there and focused and but but also at the same time she knows that winning that tennis match isn't you know the end like the be all and end all so I think yeah it's it's a bit disappointing because I'd love to see her in action more but I would you know perhaps she's just saving herself for that kind of French Open, Wimbledon, European swing, where she'll obviously be away for several months on end. And I think she was away for, was it a good six months last year? Um, so I guess it's probably, you know, probably got a mental challenge to think, oh, I've got to, to go yeah. off again for such a long time. And she maybe wants to just delay that a bit. I Yeah, I agree. I do think that may have been on her mind, given the restrictions and mm. you know, getting into Australia was very difficult. And it, it meant that she was on the road for an extended period of time last season and, and whether that, yeah, that has meant that, you know, she wants to feel at home a little bit more this season. And, and again, that might've been factored into her decision, but yeah, it's just, um, it's just a bit frustrating because yeah, we also had Barbora Krachikova also drop out um, of the draw. She was the the number one seed in Barty's absence. Um, she pulled out after the draw has been made. So this top course, this top quarter, Kim, is very, very open because Elise Cornet has taken um, Krachikova's spot. Karolina Pliskova is the other highest seed in there at number seven in this top quarter. She has not played this season. Great to see her back, by the way. Um, but yeah, it feels a very, very open part of the draw. I mean, Simona Halep, Coco Goff, Emma Raducanu's got um, you know Garcia um, already in the in the second round. So it feels very, very open for someone here to come through and, and get to the semi-finals. Yeah, it's weird that they sort of, obviously, I know it's the rule and how it's done, but, you know, you move the 33rd person into the top seed spot. This is what's happened in in uh, Djokovic's case as well, although he wasn't the top seed. But, um, you know, they could have moved another of the higher ranked seeds into the, you know, to, to even it up a bit. But anyway, um, what we have is what we have. <laughs> so, yes, I, I mean, in this section now, Pliskova is back. She is the top seed. Um, so yeah, she hasn't been out. Um, it, she hasn't been playing for 
for well since the start of the year we haven't seen her um no. for so I really don't know what to expect from Karolina Pliskova um I <laughs> I thought she was pregnant and had decided to take time <laughs> off but then I realized that's her twin sister so <laughs> got the wrong Pliskova there um Rema Raducanu in this section of the draw she'll be playing Caroline Garcia who you know as we mentioned earlier beat Yastremska I I can see Garcia winning that one yep that's a tough that yeah. is a tough one and, and again Garcia's I, in you know a bit, bit more of a form she's actually got a few more wins under her belt mm-hmm. and Raducanu retired didn't she in, yeah. in her recent match uh, Kim, I was actually thinking what ailment is Raducanu going to retire with this time because <laughs> Um, yeah, we just, it just feels like, yeah, we've, we've, we're going through all of the, the injury troubles at the moment. But yeah, I know. I hope she's a hundred percent fit. Um, it's obviously a big tournament for her. Um, I mean, either Garcia or Yastrzemski was going to be tough because they are the form players at the moment. And Raducanu, um, has not really been able to put a string of matches or any sort of momentum together. So that is going to be, I think that's definitely going to be difficult. And I'm going to be on, yeah, seed upset alert potentially. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Simona Halep in in this section. Um, you know, there could be. I mean, if Elise Cornet comes through, she could have a rematch with with Simona Halep um, in the uh, the fourth round. So that could be interesting, given obviously what happened in in Australia. But um, yeah, very open part of the draw. I think Anne Lee in the bottom section oh, you <laughs> might do something. Oh, of course, because we had Anne Lee Madison Brengel, which has already happened. But we did have a laugh to ourselves before recording because those were in a previous path of the courts game. Those were two players you did not get who were the uh, in the top 10 uh, Americans on the WTA tour at the moment. Well, I think Anne Lee will be in the, the top 10 <laughs> you know, period soon. Mm. She will be up there. <laughs> um, but it's a good opportunity for her. Um, let's go and look at the second quarter, which is a lot more loaded because we've got Iga Sviontek, recent Doha champion. Uh, we've got Muguruza, Madison Keys, who started out the year very well. Uh, Svitolina, who, um, you know, perhaps hasn't been playing that well generally, but obviously perhaps does have a bit more fire in her belly because of uh, everything that's going on. Um, so, oh, I mean, I'd have to go with Sviontek from this section just based on her recent form. I think a lot of people are pointing at her being the woman to beat at this tournament. Um, given her, you know, Doha win and the fact that like Barty and, and Krachikova are not here. Um, and Muguruza has been quite disappointing this year. So I, I'm not really going to expect mm. an awful lot of her. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think I've been a little bit, yeah, a little bit underwhelmed by Muguruza's form. I thought she'd be doing a little bit better than she is at the moment. But as, as I said, you can't really kind of counter out. I mean, she could have... Um, you know, Madison Keys potentially. Yeah, I, I think I still expect Muguruza to do well, but yeah, I don't. I think Sviontek certainly is the, the favourite. I mean, Kim, one player I've already mentioned, Sophia Kenin, has already lost um, to Hadad Maya six three seven five. This was not a pretty match. This was not one for the for the purists. I mean, Kenin served. Sorry, Kenin had seventy three unforced errors i think that just shows tells you where you know she's at with her game i mean had admire won it with nine winners and 42 unforced errors um a real feels like a real car crash of a, of a match but um yeah disappointing i think to see kenin get a wild card not really do much with it i would have liked to see her 
against Torsen in, in the second round. But alas, we've got Haddad Meyer, who's on a little bit of form actually. Um, but yeah, Torsen could be, could be quite, could be a little bit of a challenge. But yeah, Shviontek for me, yeah, sort of the, sort of the form player in that quarter. I suppose Haddad Meyer didn't need to hit any more than nine winners if her opponent is going to be uh, the ball back in the court, really. Granting all her, uh, yeah, she just stand there and then wait for the ball to go out. Um, I think Shviontek's looking really solid for this quarter, um, she says. Uh, bottom half of the draw, the third quarter down. Uh, this is where we've got a very tasty um, first round encounter between Naomi Osaka and Slayton Stevens, who are both here. Uh, unseeded, um, you know, previously, like, a couple of years ago, I think someone said that they were both, you know, playing at the WTA finals, they're in the top eight, you know, lording up at the top of the game. Uh, here they are, both unseeded. Um, Osaka's playing here for the first time in three years. Um, you know, Stevens actually recently won a title, didn't she, uh, in Mexico. So really intrigued to see how this one's going to go. Uh, and the winner will get to play Kudermatova, um, who, you know, 21st seed, um, you know, pretty nifty player herself. So if they, if either of them wants to kind of make their way through the draw and get back up there, they're going to have a pretty, pretty tough one of it, I think. And we've also got Contivate in that bottom half of this quarter, who again has been playing some fantastic tennis. Um, she's the the fourth seed. Um, Yelena Ostapenko, Leila Annie Fernandez as well in that top the top half of this quarter along with Bedosa who's the reigning champion so there's some real high standout names here and perhaps the most dangerous one of them all is the unseeded Naomi Osaka which I'm sure the rest of the WTA draw absolutely <laughs> absolutely hate her for it because she shouldn't you know she shouldn't be she shouldn't be un- unseeded and it go- again Kim it goes back to my point on, on is the WTA tour too lenient to players part-time players who just want to you know pick and choose and you know an an implication of that is you know Osaka obviously dropping down the rankings um yes she's obviously played tournaments not done as well as she would have hoped but um yeah it just makes them more and more dangerous uh, being unseeded which for me I feel as like yes that is exciting but at the same time I'm like I want your you want your leading players I think as the you know the standout names in the draw and giving them themselves, you know, a, you know, an easier chance, I think, you know, an easier run in um, rather than starting in, in round one. But um, yeah, very, very tasty. Um, I always feel Stone Stevens gets awful round one, round one draws. And this one is no different. I mean, do you see, do you see Stevens form causing an o- Osaka upset given, you know, she's not really had much, much tennis to go on post Australian open or, do you see Osaka coming through that? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if Sloan wins this mm-hmm. one. Uh, could be could be three sets. I mean, I'd, I'd quite like to see Sloan Stevens win it. I think <laughs> I'd really like to see her form from Guadalajara continue. Um, I don't think we should be too harsh on Osaka, though. I know, you know, you were saying the WGA should be more lenient, but you can't have a situation where you're forcing players yeah I, play, especially fair. you know yeah. she did take a, quite a long time out for like mental health reasons and what have you so but I, it does certainly yeah you, you think it's in their best interest to play a bit more frequently so they don't slip down the rankings and then have to sort of hurl themselves back up again um but I think you know I guess if you have confidence in your game you think well even if I come in you know and I'm unseeded and I've got difficult matches from the word go that's that's sometimes the case even if you are a seed um you know I mean 
Leila Fernandez potentially will have Anisimova in the first round. Uh, well, sorry, second round, I should say, because Fernandez has got a bye. But, you know, the women's draw, is, there's such depth. It's it's always going to be tough, I think, regardless. Um, but I do like the look of Bedosa at the top of this section and Contivate at the bottom. And I would probably go with Contivate just based on her her form over the last six months to, to come through. Uh, in the bottom most quarter... Sabalenka, who is the highest ranked player in the draw, um, is the second seed. She's down at the bottom. Also got the likes of Onjabor, Maria Zachary, Azarenka in this section. So, oh, I mean, where where do you pick? Who do you pick on that? This is the quarter I've had the most difficulty, I think, trying mm. to predict because... Yep. Right back in it also in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough. Um, I... Yeah, and I mean Osorio, I think is very dangerous, unseeded player. Could could come through and face Kvitova um, in the second round. Yeah, again, it's very tricky. I think this part because um, there's a lot of players there who put good performance in this season, um, and one of them has got to come through to the semi-finals. Um, feel like Zachary is like the player who I feel like gets to semi-finals and then doesn't do anything and maybe she will do that again here but Sabalenka also I feel has has been quite has looked quite good this season I think it could be could be quite um yeah it could be quite I, I it could come from anywhere I feel like in this quarter that that fourth player who will reach the the semi-finals no one ever said that about the women's tour Joel it could come from anywhere <laughs> Martha Kostuk Oh, well, you'd never know. I mean, I think she's a Ukrainian player, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Shui Zhang is also in, is in, in this part of the draw. So there's a few unseeded players who I think are going to potentially cause some upsets that may make this one very, very open. Uh, so, Joel, uh, prediction wise, who are you going for for your semi final lineup on the women's side of things? So, I have gone in the top half, Simona Halep versus Iga Sviontek. And in my bottom half, I have got Naomi Osaka versus Arena Sabalenka. Sviontek v Osaka final. And I'm going all in, Kim, on Naomi Osaka. Uh, <laughs> I think she's going to go ahead and, and win it. Um, I feel like she's a player who loves the big occasion. Being back, good vibes. Um, yeah, not not going to be a lot of players who can, can stop her. And I think it would just be so Naomi Osaka if she just announced herself back and won this tournament unseeded, which, um, yeah, is what is what I'm backing. She does love a, you know, US hardcore, doesn't mm, she? So, exactly. I, yeah, I, I get you. Um, I haven't gone for her. I've gone more based on form, I think, slightly. I've gone for Coco Goff against Iga Sviontek. Um, I think Goff's draw looks quite decent. So, uh, and then I've gone for Contivate against Sabalenka. I think Sabalenka's going to do well enough to come through. I've got a final, which is the repeat of the Doha final, which is Sviontek against Contivate. And I've gone for Sviontek to win again. But obviously, if she does win, it's going to have to be a demolition job. Because <laughs> when she does win finals, you know, she, she wins big. She, she wins doesn't big. drop many games like in Doha. So uh, maybe I'm just kind of trying to repeat Doha. But that's what I've gone for. Um, let's look ahead to the men's draw before we finish for today's episode. Um, obviously, no Novak Djokovic there. Um, again, wasn't particularly the best of looks for tennis with him still being in the draw and then having to pull out really last minute when I guess it became apparent that he definitely wasn't going to be able to play. Um, but at the top of the draw, we do have Daniel Medvedev, who is playing his first tournament as a world number one um, since becoming world number one in, well, I suppose Acapulco. Um, 
and also I guess as a neutral player you know he he's not representing anyone but himself uh, at this tournament so what do you see him him doing in this particular yeah in light of all of that going on yeah because there is there is increased you know uncertainty particularly around you know Medvedev and 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 just generally with with Russian players and you know in his press conference he did he did say you know he wasn't sure you know quite plainly he said I'm not sure how much tennis I'm going to be able to play in the future if you know this you know the conflict still goes on um you know his mindset it sounds like he feels that you know the ATP or tennis could ban Russian players from from playing just just generally and again wouldn't be a good look for you know the the world number one um I think he'll want to make a statement you know this is his you know first tournament where he is the world number one the top dog and I think you know we've seen recently you know like in Acapulco for example I I feel still feel like Rafa has stolen stolen his thunder with you know this incredible achievement um you know 18 years new number one, you know, not named Djokovic, Federer, Nadal or Murray. I feel like he'll want to make a statement. And, you know, this quarter is quite tricky. I think, you know, Carlos Alcaraz, certainly for me, I'm looking at as someone who could cause problems with him. They could meet um, in the fourth round. So, be, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. So, yeah. I'm looking at Carlos Alcaraz for some reason, give a little bit more than Daniel Medvedev, but you know, Cam Norrie's also in this, in this quarter, Sissipas. Um, yeah, it's still, it's still quite tough to call, but I'm, I'm sensing Alcaraz will steal, steal Medvedev's thunder like Nadal stole it, uh, in Acapulco. You're not going to go for Cam Norrie to defend his title Ooh, then. <laughs> tough. I mean, yeah. he's playing, playing really well and he's got a nice, I think he's got a nice, you know, start start to his his defense but uh it's going to be a very tall order isn't it it is yeah i i agree i don't see him defending but i'd like him to you know go to a decent uh amount i mean just on that second quarter down rafa is the top seed in the, well yes rafa is the top seed in that section sorry my eyes were going a bit funny then i thought i had casper rude as the third seed um which is definitely not the case um yes rafa could play dan evans in the third round which um, will be quite interesting. And actually, right at the top of that, Sebastian Corder versus Tanasi Kokonakis. I think that's happening tomorrow. Very exciting little match. Winner of that plays Rafa. Um, I would, would expect Rafa to come through if he's playing as well as he was in, uh, you know, Acapulco and at the Australian Open. You know, he's on a 15-match win streak. his best start to the year since forever um he you know he's done well at indian wells previously so i obviously love to see rafa come out of this section also kim in the section uh, i had to laugh nick kyrgios is here on a wild card he could play casper rude it's not out of the uh it's not out of the uh um it's not out of the equation that nick kyrgios could play casper rude in the third round um and we all know there be for around 250, 250 events uh, versus the Olympics. Um, so I would love to see that happen. I don't know if we'll get that far. I don't know what sort of form or physical uh, shape Nick Kyrgios is in. But we know he's obviously a very talented player. So I've got some eyes on him in terms of how he does. Um, but yeah, again, I'm looking at Rafa coming through this. 
you know, you could have a Shapovalov rematch from from the Australian Open in round four. But yeah, certainly this is a Rafa's quarter to lose. Um, and given his undefeated streak, I sense that he could he could carry it on. Yeah, Yannick Sinner might have a decent time as mm. well. And I think Kyrgios is playing in the doubles with Kokonakis, so they're going to try and carry on their win streak uh, in the doubles. Um, but let's look at the second half of the draw and the third quarter down. Zverev, amidst controversy, is the <laughs> top seed in this section. He's actually got, I think, a fairly decent enough draw, but it just depends what sort of Zverev is going to yep. turn up. Is he going to be able to focus on his tennis after everything that's been going on? And all of the, I don't know how, how sort of the crowd are going to be with him. You know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he walks onto court amidst a chorus of boos. So, which, you know, wouldn't exactly be undeserved. Um, but I'd be quite intrigued actually to, yeah, to see how the crowd react. Yeah, definitely. And in that top, top half of this quarter, Berrettini, Felix, Ogier, Aliasim and Marin Cilic. So again, very, um, yeah some high quality players there i feel like could this be felix's time kim you know we've seen him win his first title i feel like he's already ready to win a, a grand slam or, or even a, a you know his first master's title we saw a few of those i think last season i certainly think this could be this could be his time i feel i think he's in a nice quarter i think the zverev quarter it's a good one to be in um yeah so i'm yeah, I've got my eye a little bit on uh, Ojea Alisim and see how, see how well he he does. Well, I just you know he didn't he got he made a breakthrough, didn't he, by winning his first tournament, and then he went back to losing a final. So I <laughs> I really don't know what to expect. Um, I've gone a bit rogue in my predictions for this section of the draw, but I'll I'll leave that as as somewhat in suspense for a few minutes. Um, the last quarter of the draw does have Andre Rublev as the top seed um, in this section. But you've also got the likes of Hubert Herkaj, um, Karatsev, <laughs> Diego yeah. Schwartzman, um, Dimitrov, who has replaced Djokovic. Um, I mean, I'd have to go with Rublev for this section. You know, mm. he's won a couple of titles on the trot, seems to have got his his mojo back. Um, and, you know, just is the is the is probably the highest calibre person in, in this draw. No offence to Andy Murray, who... Is that Taro Daniel I see in the draw next to Andy Murray's name? Yep. Again? Yep. Isn't Again? this the yep. third time they've played? I know. Year? Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's quite, you know... The fact that he's so close to where Novak Djokovic was, again, big opportunity for someone around there to go deep. So he's he's got a favourable location. Um, and he could also, again, play Alexander Bublik, who's played very, very recently and, and won. So he could definitely be one to watch. I mean, he's going to be one to watch anyway, given, you know, the news around the, the, the reformation with, with Lendl. But the fact that Novak Djokovic is out of, you know, this this quarter of the draw it certainly opens it up for him a bit more um but you know we've gained i feel got into this pattern of of one win then followed by a loss move on to a next tournament and he's gonna have to obviously change that and and put a series of, of wins together in the same tournament and um i think again he's just gonna t- have to take it one match at a time but i think he'll take confidence from yeah the fact that he's got Daniel, then Bublik, potentially. Um, and he's beaten both of those players relatively recently. Yeah. And um, just outside of, well, the, the sort of top names and everything, Liam Brody for the British side of things, he mm. um, he's actually qualified. He's got Mia Mir, sorry, Kekmanovic in the first round. Uh, so great that he's qualified. 
And Harriet Dart, uh, also in the mm. ladies' draw, um, she won actually against Anna Conju. So she's got Svitolina. Um, so really good to see like two Brits who aren't normally at these events uh, getting into these uh, stages. Um, but let's make some predictions, Joel, for the men's side of things. Who have you got going up head to head in your semi-finals? So I am going to go Carlos Alcaraz versus Rafa Nadal in that top semi, one all Spanish semi, and Felix Ogier Aliassime versus Andre Rublev in the bottom half semi. Rafa FAA final, Uncle Tony not in Rafa's box, but in <laughs> FAA's box. It's all. It's going to bedlam is going to break loose. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be hell to pay. But uh, I've got Rafa continuing the undefeated streak. Um, yeah, I um. I think he's, I just think he looks too good at the moment and uh, he looks fit. Um, yeah, there's, there's not really much more to say. And I, I think, I think he'll come out uh, victorious in, uh, in the desert. Well, if that is the final, I, I'm no offense, Felix, but you know, I obviously wouldn't want Felix to win that one. Uh, even though I'm normally going on about how I want him to win finals. Um, I don't think that FAA versus Rafa will be Bedlam, though. They're probably the, the two like most nicest, to politest, be fair, you're right. kindest I'm seeing, players I'm envisaging like Bedlam in the, the player boxes more than yeah. anything. Um, I don't know if Uncle Uncle Tony will be kind of uh, at odds with himself around who is who he will be uh, who he will be cheering for. I don't know if is he is he there because he does I don't think he always travels there, does yeah. he, Tony? I think I'd like cool. to think he's I'd like to think he's there. Maybe maybe not. I mean, he might he might fancy a holiday to California, <laughs> go for it. Um I've gone a bit more conventional maybe for the top half. I've still gone for Medvedev uh, to play Rafa, repeat of the Acapulco semi, repeat of the Australian Open final. My other semi final though, I've gone for I've gone for Andre Rublev, so you know, based on recent form. I've gone for Pablo Carreno Buster. <laughs> To get to the other semi-final, oh. he does. Where do did well. that? Where did that come from? He has made two US Open semi-finals. He does do well on a hardcore Olympic bronze medalist. Don't forget. Okay. So I just okay. thought, well, hasn't been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Sorry, since he's kind of got to a latter stage. So um, I'll go for PCB. But I've got a Rafa Rublev final with Rafa winning. So let's fingers crossed uh, for Rafa. Um, you know, I'm very unbiased in that respect. So, <laughs> but yeah, let, let's see how he goes. Let's see how Rafa gets on. Let's see how everyone else gets on. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting tournament. I mean, the play has obviously got underway uh, already for today. I think. See, Heather Watson's are setting a breakdown, sadly, uh, as oh. we as we finish this this episode. Oh. Way to end it on a downer. Here. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I am. I am looking forward to it. I mean, it is. It has come around very, very, very quickly, and I do remember last time the crowds were very sparse. So I'm. I'm hoping this time round um, we get we get more packed audiences. Um, but uh, we'll we'll wait and see. We'll see how it develops. I'm sure there's going to be some drama in the the men's and women's draws, and no doubt Novak Djokovic will be watching from somewhere outside. Uh, the United States of America. But um, yeah, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest 
episode of the passing shot remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on the atp and wta tours we are on apple Podcasts, spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app and if you like what you're hearing then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on apple podcasts or spotify and you can follow us on social media uh, we're on all of the main channels facebook instagram and twitter at passing shot pod so do give us a like and a follow if you don't already uh, you can contact us on all of those channels uh, but if you prefer you can also email the show at passingshotpod at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our website www.thepassingshot.co.uk and we will be back next time at Passing Shot HQ for a midweek Indian Wells catch up so I hope you can join us for our next episode but in the meantime it's goodbye from Kim goodbye and it's goodbye from me we'll see you again soon 